Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Did you know that I teach speakers and trainers from around the world all the skills I've learned over the last two decades of speaking at theahacenter.com? That's right. Go to theahacenter.com, T-H-E-A-H-A center.com and join me there. Welcome, everyone, to another episode here. We're going to dive right into this because we have a really cool special guest here, Kirsty, that is with me today. So excited. We have connecting friends. So I've known of you for a, a, a long time and a while, but we had not really connected till two days ago, and then we made this happen. We were able to get you on right away. I want to dive right into this because your work is so important for helping people move forward in life. And I don't want to be the one to say what it is, because I think it's always done better from you. you. You know the wording that is so important for the work you do. So how would you describe what you do to our listeners and our, and our viewers? Oh, now you've caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, at the core of it is healing and self-awareness. You know, I think that we, we're all here on this journey of life and we all get thrown different curveballs and things that happen to us, some more traumatic than others. And part of that journey of self-discovery is to learn how to heal ourselves and to get to a place of self-love, to remove all shame, to learn to be more vulnerable. And for me, I sum all of that up as doing the work. And I think it's our most important work is not going out and working in a career or a job. Our most important work is us and this inner work of figuring out how to sit with feelings and not numb and not run away and avoid and all that stuff is hard but amazingly transformative if we're willing to do it and amazingly healing. And how did you get to, to this place, to this spot in your life? Because you share with people now all from all over, how did you get to this place? What was your journey? Yeah. And so my, you know, I'm a motivational speaker right. and um, I work with a lot of corporate audiences and traditionally, you know, corporates have not been open to having these kinds of conversations. And, you know, my brand now is around truth telling for truth seekers. And so that has been like a huge transition, you know, 10 years ago, you would definitely not have talked about truth in the workplace and, or even really to a certain extent, self degree, uh, self awareness and personal development was kind of like go to a workshop on a weekend in your own time. And I think more and more clients are learning that you can't go professionally where you won't go personally. And so 
it's been a transition. You know, I, I went on my own journey. So I had this hugely successful career in real estate. I was in the top 100 of 120,000 agents worldwide. And I say to people that it was like success was camouflaging all of my unworthiness. And by staying in the busyness, I wasn't dealing with what was really going on in my life. And at a young age, I was diagnosed with herpes. And, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, what's the big deal? You know, surely nowadays that's not a big thing. It's like a little pimple. And it really depends on the person that you talk to. And I, every week I receive emails and um, take calls with people who are newly diagnosed and are depressed and sometimes suicidal. And so, you know, shame ended up becoming the thing that I started to work with. And, you know, it's funny, this Me Too movement, you know, I was doing Me Too interviews eight years ago. And for me, you know, this movement now around Me Too has been specifically around women and sexual abuse and sexual assault. But I believe there's this incredible power in hearing a Me Too story from anyone, whether you have herpes, whether you have cancer, whether you've been through addiction, whatever it might be for you, any kind of trauma, there's a camaraderie, you feel less isolated, you feel less alone, and it helps remove the shame and the stigma. And I was talking to someone last night about it who said, you know, after 20 years, she's only just realizing what shame is and that she has it. And I think it's a word that we don't talk about very often. And most people kind of go, like, you don't want to resonate with, I feel shame. And I think Brene Brown describes it, who's a researcher around shame and vulnerability, who says, you know, guilt is, I did something bad, shame is, I am bad. I've always loved that. That I, I love it. And it's something that when something's going on in your life, you can remind yourself of that, right? It's, it's so important to go, wait, I'm not bad. I made a bad choice. There's a big difference. Yeah. And I think Maya Angelou has that great quote, when you know better, you do better. And so self-forgiveness is a part of that. And, you know, forgiving myself for making a dumb choice with a guy and, and not knowing, like, I mean, in the US, you don't actually even, if you go in for an STD test, it doesn't actually test for herpes. So there's a lot of people who just don't even know and they try to do the right thing and be proactive and take care of themselves and use a condom and they don't, they're not even educated and informed around the fact that you can get it with a condom. And so for me, you know, that's a sidetrack on education and information session there. Um, That's that's my other side of my work that we would be discussing there, right? We'll just make sure everybody gets informed today. And so so this happened to me at a very young age um, before sort of 1920 and I think that, you know, you don't have a lot of self-awareness back then. Uh, you don't know how to deal with this kind of thing happening in your life. I isolated myself. I didn't want anybody to know. I thought that this now meant that I was disgusting and that people would assume that I was promiscuous to get an STD and all the, the cultural stigmas that we especially have had. As a woman. Of- especially as a woman, the cultural concept that, oh, you were sexual? Right? Like, yeah. like for a guy to be sexual, nobody blinks an eye, but uh, somebody says as a young woman, I was sexual and I got herpes. People are like, what, what were you doing being sexual? Which is th- so absurd, the double standard there. Exactly. And you know, for me, it was like one of my first experiences. I was so young. I was naive. I thought it was so unfair. I thought I'd been robbed of my freedom to be intimate with someone without having to have this horrible conversation now. So it really felt like a lot of stuff had changed that I wasn't able to control. So it took me a lot because I isolated and because I didn't talk about it and because I didn't know that other people around me had it. I then went to a very dark place for almost two decades and, you know, become numbing and engaging in dysfunctional behavior. 
attracting the wrong kinds of men because I didn't think I was worthy of a 10 out of 10, so I'd attract a zero, all kinds of things that weren't healthy for me. Can we, I want to pause right there because you also said you were incredibly success, successful in your career. So was that the drive to mask? In other words, if I'm so successful over here with sales and I'm top of this, I, I don't have to think about that side. I'll just yeah. keep myself so busy over here that my value will be there, everything will be there, and it'll mask all that. Is that what was happening? You know, I, would, I did an interview yesterday on radio with a friend of mine who's a psychotherapist who's known me for many, many years, and we haven't caught up for a couple of years. And she said, you know, we talked about on, on um, live about how I had shifted from this very masculine kind of pushing, driving personality to she noticed this softness in me now that wasn't there before. And I would say, yes, like there, I was always hustling for attention and worthiness. And if I was going to get that by being uber successful and my ego being front and center, then, you know, and, and it was also part of it was just staying in the busyness. If I was busy enough and successful enough, I didn't have to think about the fact that I was lonely and single and feeling unworthy and unlovable and like everything else on that side wasn't working. I could just stay focused on what was working for me. Well, and I think so many of us do that, whether it's single, married, doesn't matter what it is. I know that before mindfulness came into my life and, you know, in the last really five years more prominently, uh, but prior to that, same thing that I was known as this, you know, uh, look at, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing here. Now, if I'm sharing, it's because I think this could help, right? Like, oh, let's get that out because that could help someone. Before it was, this can help someone. And look, I'm doing it, right? We fall into that trap because you're looking for validation versus realizing the validation's here and it's never going to be enough out, out there. You know, it's got to be here inside us. And I think we can all fall into that. Doesn't matter, single, married, whether it was herpes or it was, uh, I just am not enough for whatever I was raised to believe in that world of what enough was. Well, and this is interesting. So, you know, the work that I'm doing now around truth telling for truth seekers is really about that. Often people will say to me, well, I don't have a big truth or a big secret or shame. And so it's not just the huge truths. It's also the daily truths. The daily truths like I'm not happy with my body or that I say really mean things to myself when I look in the mirror, that I'm just depressed or sad most of the time, that you're not telling, you know, all those truths that we keep into ourselves, or that I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'm avoiding by going to work or numbing with food, that I'm not happy in my job, that I want to move cities, that I'm, I'm uninspired by my life. You know, there can be so many truths for us. And it's about, you know, truth for me, the word truth is really just about our inner voice and listening to ourselves. Yeah. And I think a major one for a lot of people that no one wants to ever talk about is financial fear. That I don't want people to know I'm as, I'm not as financially founded strength wise as, as it appears I am. Right. Nobody who ever wants to say I'm financially struggling. Yeah, I'm broke. I'm or broke I'm or I'm close to, or I'm two ch paychecks away. And that drives a lot of secrets in people. I, many couples I know that when you get to the heart of their struggles, one of them is struggling with the concept of their finances. And they can't even be happy in their marriage and their relationship because this is in their head so much. And it's almost like, just let it out. Just tell people. So then you, this secret isn't taking control of you. You're taking control of it.
you know, I had a couple of friends who shared with me about a month ago that they were struggling with finances and I just found it so refreshing. And I was like, so proud of them for just having the conversation and being real and saying, you know, I'm going to be paying a little bit late on a few things because of this and this. And I, I do, I think that the more that we tell the truth, the more inspiring it is for everyone else around us and it, it releases us and it helps them and you model that vulnerability. And I think that societally we are taught that we should be buying all the latest gadgets and having all of this crap and, not, you know, the truth is that none of that makes us happy. So having these real conversations about what really matters is what's important for us. Absolutely. What are some steps that you recommend people use that you share for helping us identify the the truths that those hidden truths we're not recognizing and addressing? Yeah. Um, Look, I think that the first thing is um, checking your vitals. I call it checking your vitals, changing your thoughts, charting your course. And so checking your vitals is about finding your baseline. So most of us don't even know, like, what, what's our baseline? How do we feel? So I, the baseline is kind of like, you know, the human lie detectors, how they, when they're interviewing someone and, and it goes up and down, beep, 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 and there's like this baseline that they ask these questions before the interview to ascertain someone's baseline so they know whether they're lying or not. And when they lie, it will then go up. And so that baseline for me is like the place where it's like water off a duck's back nothing bothers you. It's like that place when you've just had a month long vacation. And so this is why I'm saying like some people don't even remember what it is to feel like that because they've been in such hyper stress and such shame or just running this tape of anxiety that they don't even know what it is to hear their own voice and to be at that baseline. So the first thing is to find your baseline and to get as close to it as you possibly can. And then the second part is trying to stay on it. So can we pause on I want to pause there because I think people really... I, I know I struggled with it. I know many people struggle with it. That baseline concept, I, I, a lot of people don't realize that might take some time for you to even figure out what it is. I, I started working with a trainer really deeply about three years ago for the first time. And they said, well, when do you, when do you notice, like where in your body do you notice it when you're stressed, you're retired? And I went, what are you talking about? I don't. And they're like, no, no, somewhere your body will show where this is. And it took me a long time to figure out it, by working with them. Okay, I'm fresh. I'm energized. Here's what everything feels like. All right, tired. What feels different? Oh, I'm actually extra hyper. So that's why I don't notice it. I, I put on, I go, like, you know, high, uh, like frenetic. Right, right. I don't become what people think like, oh, tied up. I'm like, woo, I'm uh, this other. And so it takes a while. And so for people going out there, You've numbed ourselves for so long that we don't know the signs from your body. Yes. You know, when you're in shame and when you're in numbing, you know, you really are detached from a lot of things. You're just stuffing so much in, you're eating, consuming sugar, all those things. So you are, are frenetic and crazy with your energy. You can almost like be doing things because you're trying to, you actually are trying to help yourself, like having a Red Bull or having, and you don't realize you're actually then like sending your adrenals through the roof. You're like overstimulating yourself. You're not going to be able to calm down to sleep. So it becomes like this vicious cycle of like, I need a coffee and then I need a sleeping tablet and I need to calm myself down with a Xanax. And, you know, instead of finding your baseline and knowing how to look after yourself. And a lot of that, again, like it comes down to listening to yourself and telling yourself the truth that I'm tired or I need to press pause, or I need to not be around this person because they're affecting my energy so negatively. So these bigger truths start with you telling yourself smaller truths. And not attaching that shame to the smaller truth, right? Because when I, like when you walk into your, I would walk into my trainer and for some people go, I don't have a trainer. Well, let's say you walk into workout and you're going, 
okay, today I feel I'm a little low on energy. I'm a little down. Something's drained. Not feeling guilt, even not even feeling guilt for saying, you know what? I need to take it easy today. But our, our brains go, oh, I'm sorry. I have to, I feel bad, but I have to take it easy today. Like that's a bad thing instead of going, hey, I need to take it easy today. It's just, it's where I'm at. I'm recognizing it. I'm still good that I'm here. We're going to work what we need to work on the level we need to work it. And it's better than not being here. But this guilt sets in. So I Which, think. I mean, but that, that I feel like is a piece of self-love. Right. When we get to a place where we've released secrets and we've started to live in our truth and we're happier with ourselves, then we're going to be more likely to go eating good food, saying no to people, setting boundaries, asking for what we need. All those things become second nature and a, a true form of self-love. I'm just going to pause this for one second because I want to let everyone listening know about one of our amazing sponsors. This week's episode is sponsored by the book, Can I Kiss You? and the Instructor's Guide of Can I Kiss You. For many listeners know, this is the book that I wrote last year came out. We were thrilled because it went number one on Amazon for teen and young adult dating. And it is filled, just packed with how-to skill sets for anyone to read of any age. We used to have a certain age group and people said, will you stop doing that? I have a middle schooler that I want to read this book or I'm 45 single, I need to read this book. And we've had people who are married going, it's helped change my relationship. And that's why we're, we're excited. This is this week's sponsor, the Can I Kiss You book. And if you're a teacher, the instructor's guide. You can find both at datesafeproject.org. That's datesafeproject.org. Or you can call Rita in our offices at 800-329-9390. That's this week's sponsor. All right. So we have established the baseline, which can, which can take time. <laughs> And then you need to learn how to stay with it. You need to learn like, okay, so for me, you know, I monitor every two hours. I have an energy management chart that I created for myself and I do and ask certain questions on this form so that I can make sure that I'm checking in with myself. Every two hours, I'll ask myself on a scale of one to 10, how do I feel? Am I at my highest energy and in a complete flow state and connected to manifesting in the universe and feeling like completely amazing? Or am I at a zero and I'm low energy and I can't think and I'm in fear and I'm stuck and I'm not in a flow state at all? And then I ask myself what's affected that. So typically I start my days at a 10 now because I know where my baseline is and I've been able to get to a place where I'm always at a 10. So you're always waking up at that 10? Yeah, most of the time. I would say if like a couple of weeks ago I got to meet Oprah and that was a weekend I was just describing to someone yesterday. I, I met Oprah one day and there's like 50 people there like screaming this frenetic energy. Everyone's like, oh my God, we're meeting Oprah. And so of course like your energy- And just say pause there. so people understand. You met Oprah. Like people hear that and went, oh, you were at Oprah's, you were at a recording with Oprah or you were at a, no, no. Like you were walking on the, down the, the path with Oprah and just you and Oprah. That picture was awesome, by the way, uh, that, that you shared. Yeah, so just for people to get a concept of what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, it was a birthday. It was a, a birth, private birthday with fifty people, and yeah, just um, I was just invited to Oprah's got birthday. To hold a hand, yeah, exactly. And talk and walk, and it, it really was one of the highlights of my life. But it's a whole other interview. So <laughs> what, I was, what I was using as this example is like this freneticness, this craziness. We all have times where something goes on, a birthday party, Christmas, and you're overstimulated. And it's like that child at Disneyland who's had too much candy. And so I was feeling like that. And then I come home, 
I did a few things that I know ground me and bring me back so that my numbers can go back up. But I then had the next day a red carpet gala. I got to meet John Travolta. I mean, this is sounding a little bit crazy. Like, seriously, I don't even know how this all, like, happened. It was just, like, this four days of, like, ridiculous excitement. And then for anyone who follows Michael Beckworth, you know, we had a agape at the church on the Sunday. And then on the Monday I was at an Australians in LA event, which just had some, like, incredible people. And so it just went on and on and on. So by day four, had before, I wouldn't have managed my energy. I wouldn't have known about my baseline. I would have been dead. I would have been like a minus a hundred. I would have been eating sugar to try and like get myself that, back up. That's me. That alcohol. that's where I go. I go sugar. So I was going to ask you, what are what are choices you make that help you with your baseline? It sounds like you, you stay. There was um, there was a study done where they put two rats in different cages and they gave one alcohol. I think it was alcohol or cocaine. Might have been cocaine. <laughs> anyway, the rat. Was I think eating. it's cocaine. If it's the one, I think you're. It's cocaine versus yeah. sugar, right? Well, no, yeah, the other one I think was uh, water. And so there was one with water and one with some kind of substance. And then they were feeding the water one a healthy diet. Oh, they had both in each cage, sorry. So you could choose to have the water or the alcohol and you could choose to have the water or the alcohol. But the rats were fed different things. One rat was fed healthy food and a great diet and the other rat was fed um, sugar and disgusting food. And the, I love the term rat, disgusting food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like let's where they're giving them McDonald's, I guess. Right. And so the healthy rat getting fed great food would always choose the water. From an addiction point of view, when we look at that, and you know, alcohol has a huge amount of sugar in it too. Um, but we we know that when we are looking after ourselves, we're going to make better choices for ourselves. I love so that. Me, what it is, is pressing pause that after I'd seen Oprah, I knew there were people staying around and having dinner. Six o'clock, I was out of there. I was like, I need to go home. I need to be by myself. I need to meditate. I need to ground in. I need to have some healthy food tonight. And I need to go to bed early because I've got a big day tomorrow. And otherwise I'm going to be like, I was already at like a seven and I knew that I would have dropped to a five. And then you start the next day depleted and you go on and on. So I now know that I have to check in every couple of hours and I ask myself, like, so I monitor and typically for me, I've now figured out that by one o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, I've dropped from a 10 that I started at to about a seven or an eight, depending on how stressful the day's been. So I now press pause every afternoon at two or three o'clock. I take 10 minutes, maybe 20 at the most, and I do whatever I need to do. Like you need to figure out what are the things that get you grounded fast. So for me, it's being at the beach and having my feet in the sand it's having a salt shower uh, i do a salt scrub that's an energy cleanser it's being with people having a laugh doing a dance going for a quick run so there's certain things that like shift all that energy for me and i also have there's a energy release meditation that i do that helps me collect back any energy i've given so especially for people who are coaches or speakers and things like that i love um, i want to pause because i want to i want to listen to people really take this and I, you're just feeding us with great concepts here where what is there a place where people can find the energy release meditation yes i can send you a link for that okay that'd be great we'll put that in the show notes for all our listeners because i could think a few people are probably going what is it what is it yeah you can i can even send you my energy chart that i use for myself and um it's just something that that would be fantastic (laughs) like half the ones you mentioned was me like if i just go do a dance break that puts me in a whole, as silly as it sounds. I know some people are saying, yeah. did you just say you do dance oh, breaks? Right. Absolutely. I love to dance. So if, yeah. or, or to sing, now, I can't sing well, yeah. 
but I can sing, but I can sing. So whatever it is. Yeah. I love this. So you have re-energizers when you say sleep, what time are you in sleep? Like people, I love this discussion. Are are you somebody that says, Hey, 10 o'clock, boom, I'm in bed. So on my chart is things like um, seven o'clock having devices out of the bedroom. Like I literally list everything that I have seen has been researched in terms of energy management, like yeah. smudging, salt showers. Um, you know, Ariana Huffington's done a lot of stuff on the sleep with her book, stuff like gratitude. We know that it scientifically rewires our brains and makes us more positive and it's a huge help for depression. So everything like that is on my chart. I get up and I have like rituals, like having a cup of tea, putting my diffuser on, starting my day present in a way. Like this is all mindfulness. And that's that's the chart you're going to, is that a separate chart than what we're discussing? Yeah, so or that's the one you're going to send? Awesome. So it's, it's a one page okay. chart that ticks off all these things I do to make sure that I'm staying mindful and present and aware and maintaining my highest energy, which is being at the top of my baseline. And then every couple of hours, I check in with that morning, afternoon breaks to go, where am I at on a scale of one to 10? And that's really the key to this chart is doing that check-in because once you do it for at least 30 days, you start to notice the things where yours dip. Is it people and so then you have to start making some choices. Am I going to let them impact me in that way? Am I going to spend less time with certain people? Am I going to make sure they're not interrupting my day so that I can stay at the top of my baseline, you know, during work hours? And and then you're able to go, I need to press pause at these times. So for them, it may not be two or three o'clock in the afternoon. It may be sooner. It may be later. But knowing that as soon as I drop below a seven, that is when I know I need to press pause now. And if I don't have time for 20 minutes, then I have time for two to go and sit and take huge deep belly breaths, even if it's in the restroom, bathroom, stall at work, you know, if that's the only break you can get, go and sit there and take a couple of deep breaths for like 30 seconds and just calm yourself and ground yourself, you know, so that or put on your favorite song on your headset and do a little crazy dance in the bathroom stall. There's always a way to press pause, even if it's really quickly and just shift your energy around. I love it. That is awesome. So we've got find the baseline, maintain the baseline, and that, if you're doing yes, those two things, right. right. Take your vitals. And then, you know, this is really my keynote here we're getting. <laughs> and so then change of thoughts is about lots of different things. But we really need to figure out, like, what tape are we running? What's going on for us? What are we saying? And then charting our course is about, like, if you're climbing this mountain for yourself, which is the analogy I use every day, it's like, all of these things are, are climbing a mini mountain, then you need to chart your course. And that's using things like the Reiki meditation and energy release. It's using things like the course. Now, this stuff at first, yes, it can feel hard having to think about what you're saying, have to analyze your behavior, having to look at whether you're in a 10 or a seven or on your baseline. Yes, it is. But once you learn these skills and do these things repeatedly, it becomes second nature. So I don't necessarily feel that form out every day, but I'm aware every day now. And I go, oh, okay. So I need to press pause at this time. Like yesterday I came back, I'd been working from about 6.30 in the morning till 3.30. And normally as an entrepreneur, I'd be like, I can't stop at 3.30. I have to work through till midnight, <laughs> you know, and that little guilt tape starts running. And I went, no, I'm tired right now. So pushing through and working from this place is not, I don't want to infuse my work with this kind of energy. So it was 3.30, the sun was shining in California. I'm sorry for everyone in the rest of the world. And I stopped, I went and rode my bicycle down to the beach and I sang as I rode and I can't sing either. And I felt lighter and freer and I lifted my energy and I came back and I did like another five hours of work from a completely different place. We attracted two of our first corporate sponsors for our huge event in LA. And all sorts of great stuff was manifested. 
that wouldn't have happened if I'd pushed through at three o'clock and worked from a stuck place energetically. Absolutely. I just had this yesterday. I was doing a ton of video. I mean, just a boatload of video. And it was exciting to get it all done, but I was so exhausted. And a couple times during the day, I thought, ooh, I better get my meditation in. I did not get my meditation. What happens? It gets all done. Karen gets home, my partner, and she's talking to me and I'm snapping. I'm getting a little snappy, right? She's like, you mad at me? I'm like, no, I'm tired. You know, like, you know how we can get that way. Yes. And then I recognized why didn't I do the break I should have done. And so I love this because I knew my voice. I heard it. I knew take the break, do the meditation. Oh, get through the next video instead. And that was a mistake. All right. I I, I let that because it controls the rest of the day, even if you plug through that part. So I love this. And, and I want to make sure we don't forget. Put to, an alarm on, like put an alarm on for two or three o'clock every right. day. Right. Press pause. Have I pressed pause? And if you don't feel you can do it for 20 minutes, go put an alarm on for five. Yeah, that's how I started with meditation was, you know, three to five. Then you get up to 20 minutes. And, and what I love about what you said is I, you don't have to live this day every day, but you have an awareness now. Because people do that with meditation. They'll be like, Hey, Mike, you meditate. You, do you, you must meditate every day. And at the moment I say, no, there are days I missed. They're like, oh, so see, meditation doesn't work. Because I'm like, no, no, no. It means that it brings you an awareness. But people are looking for a reason not to use these systems so they don't have to try something new. So they'll knock whatever they can knock versus going, no, it's having a higher awareness. It's, it's more than even the ritual. That's what it's about. And for me, you know, meditation's always been a bit scary. I'm not good at sitting and being quiet, but you can find like the guided, there are thousands of great guided meditations and apps. And so start where it feels comfortable. Start right. with, And really it is that pressing pause, that taking time to have some deep breaths or to have a laugh or to jump up and down. You call it jumping jacks, star jacks. Yeah. Jumping jacks, yeah. Yeah. It, it can be however it is for you. It can be cooking for some people, you know. I started making meals from home, cooking a lot more because I work from home when I'm not traveling, speaking. So I will make a beautiful lunch in the middle of the day and just that mindfulness of chopping and cutting and preparing. So that can be my pressing pause sometimes. I'll p- play a video or a podcast or something that I'm learning So I'll have that going so I don't feel like I'm wasting the whole time. I'll play and I'll learn and then I'll be like chopping and just enjoying preparing the meal and having lunch and that can be my press pause. So there's lots of different ways we can do this for ourselves. If you're in an office environment, going out and having a walk and talk with a colleague, there can be lots of different ways that we can incorporate it into our day to feel rested and mindful and present. I love it. And I want to jump to something before we wrap up, because there's an element that what actually brought you and I together, but we never discussed it today because it's been so great, is, is what you're able to do with survivors. And you do a lot of work with survivors. And so I want to make sure we get that in here before the end, because that's what actually brought us together. Somebody, we had a mutual friend going, oh my gosh, with the work you do over here, Mike, and the work Kirstie's doing over here, uh, you guys got to meet. And that was on the sexual violence end, and in and, and the end for you was helping survivors. So can we go into that? How, how does your work directly, you have a course, you have a program that, that is wonderful for survivors. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, if people want to follow me at Kirsty TV, K-I-R-S-T-Y TV, all our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they can find information on us and videos. We have a YouTube channel where we have over 100 episodes where I've interviewed people who've been through rape, trauma, addiction, incest, molestation, all kinds of situations in life, um, every end of the spectrum, uh, suicide, domestic violence, um, 
with, there's a not a story I don't think we've covered from cutting to um, mental health issues, bipolar. So those episodes are all on YouTube at Kirsty TV. We have an event coming up. In we're we're going to have links for all of this on the show oh, notes. Great. For anyone listening, they can find that. Don't have to write it down. Yeah, it makes it easier if they're running or they're biking or they're dancing. They can go to the show yes. notes and get that. And the reason I want to jump in on this was, can you explain what you do for survivors so they can understand, hey, I, I'm so they can get excited about that event, understanding what it will do for them? I think that the event, if they can get to Los Angeles, that's a one-day event, truth-telling for truth seekers. And it's kind of like storytelling, the moth meets TEDx. You know, it's all these amazing truth-tellers who are sharing journeys that they've been on to inspire other people and you know you don't have to you don't have to be scared coming to something like that that you're going to have to tell your own truth but it's about learning from other people's courage and me too stories and then I'll be covering a lot of content like we did on the fast track today around how do we check our vitals how do we change our thoughts how do we chart our course how do we get ready and get strong enough to do our inner work and to heal and then we have an online 6 week course which We'll probably run again after the event in May, so I can send you that information as that comes up. Or if people go to our kirstytv.com website, they can sign up for the newsletter and get notified. But that six-week course, I interviewed a therapist and a psychotherapist, and each week has a module that I kind of went through on my own journey to getting to a place where I could live in my truth and um, fully accept and love myself. And so it goes through modules like getting strong and learning how to be discerning about who we tell things to and feel safe with and vulnerability and understanding what tape we're running in our head. So I think that for anyone who's feeling like they're in a dark place or they're unhappy and they don't know why, because sometimes when we're not at our baseline and we're so detached and so frenetic and we're numbing with all these different substances, it's hard to even know what our truth is. We just know that we're not happy. And for me, usually the universe is giving you little taps, little whispers that become harder if we don't get the lesson and we don't change our life and we don't start listening and they can become wrecking balls in the form of disease in the body and um, depression and all kinds of other things that can go on for us when we really ignore what we're trying to tell ourselves that we're screaming at ourselves, like, will you listen? Yeah, I love this. This is fantastic. So I want to thank you. This is, we've, we've jammed it ton in so to 30 minutes. Yeah, it just flew right by. I could keep going for hours. Uh, so for our listeners, you already gave them how to find you. So it's at Kirsten TV everywhere. Uh, YouTube is where you really have an incredible presence of videos. So I think that's where everyone listening, I really encourage you to go there. Go to at Kirsten TV and really explore the videos, dive into them. So powerful. And we'll have all the links on the show notes. Thank you so much for doing the show today. Thank you. Absolutely. I hope to meet in person one day. Yeah, well, that would be fantastic. I look forward to that day, that's for sure. And for all of our listeners and viewers, I look forward to you joining us on our next episode, hoping that you are finding mindfulness in every day. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, 
want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.